and I'm just now seeing number 187. <laughs> oh, broken arm. Okay, what what trauma did I get with my broken arm? I was playing football, and it's like, oh well, that's why you don't like running backwards. I'm like, I have a fear of running backwards. <laughs> when did that fear happen? Like, oh my god. So it was, and that's what it was. It was just me yeah. sitting in my apartment, just cycling through <laughs> every one of these, being like, "What trauma you got, motherfucker? Why don't I like oranges? Please tell me." Congratulations, everyone. Welcome back to another season. I am your host, Stephen Woodson, and joining me as always is my kick-ass co-host, Keith Parker. Hello! <laughs> and you are listening to Congratulations, You're Divorced. We have a very chunky episode for you today, so I'm just going to dive right into it. I've been I've been waiting to talk to you about this pretty much all week long, and I had a little bit of a breakthrough with myself, and it's kind of an inspiration from NF's new music video, Hope. And I've, I've been having conversations with myself pretty regularly, not in a crazy way, not in a way that I need to be locked up or anything, but I've been having conversations with myself and, you know, I knew there were different parts of me that I had to talk to, but I was on the way home from work the other day and the dark, critical, mean side of Steven was sitting with me in the car and I was trying to have a conversation with him, hoping that we could find some common ground and maybe find a way that like we could work together instead of him just beating me over the head with all my self-doubt. And I came to the realization that like I I don't think we're gonna be able to work together. Like I just don't think that's something that I'm gonna be able to accomplish. So when were you able to put that version of you somewhere where you can talk with him? How long have you been able to do that? How long have you actually been able to visualize and put that version of yourself somewhere and have a cover? Have you always had that ability or is it something that you've just picked up? So what confirmed all that for me was going to Florida and getting in the sensory deprivation tank. Because in that experience, I went on a quest. Well, that's recent though. Yeah. I went on a quest with yeah. myself. And so having that vivid dreamlike state and seeing multiple versions of me and having to go meet multiple versions of me to gain more access and more control and kind of solidified it. And so, yeah, I'd say maybe about a year solid of just me being able to get in a room and sit down and talk with myself. But like I was saying earlier, I don't know if it's a version of me or what, but somebody in there gets really distracted really easily because I'll start having a conversation and my brain will just run off to something else of like, what else I got to get done that day or you know, what am I not doing right now? Kind of shit. I know that I wasn't really able to have those conversations with, cause I I've always referred to them just as my demons, right? It's just easier for me. Like I, I've never said multiple versions of myself, but because I've always kind of maybe made a bigger deal out of them or whatever, but they've always been my demons. So mm. I know that I didn't really master that until post divorce. I didn't really have that ability to, I, I don't know if I, it was a lack of emotional intelligence. I don't know if it was just, I didn't do work on myself and I was just, you know, like you said, on autopilot going through life or like, I'm not hundred percent sure what it was, but I know that it got a lot easier to kind of have those, to sit down and have those conversations. Like you said, with fat Steven, like I could sit down with fat Parker and just be like, Hey brother, man, like, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Like, are we, are we going to be fat? For, is that the goal or is that, is this how you see yourself? like actually able to have like almost a counseling therapy session with myself. And then when that one's gone, then I see broke Keith, broke part, whatever it is. Right. Like, and then just, you just kind of cycle through those conversations, almost just like interviews. But I, it's, that was not a one, not an easy skill to learn. Uh, two is kind of a dangerous one. If you don't really know what you're doing, because Let's be honest, there are times like where those demons can kick the shit out of you when you confront them and mm -hmm. talk to them if you're not in the right space to to learn that lesson. I never really give them enough respect, to be honest. I always I always enter the conversation like I'm the one in charge. And I am, I should be, I think. And they're pretty good with their wordplay of being like, Are are you really? Are you sure you're the one in charge? I'm the one that's kept you safe. I'm the one that gave you the red flag whenever you needed it. 
Like, are you sure you're the one pulling the strings? It's like, well, I'm the one out here living it. And then they're like, are you, I, are you sure you're the one out there living it? <laughs> see, and I think that break for me was, I went from fearing them to having no respect for them at all. Like, it's almost like I can't have a middle ground, right? Like I went through my entire life fearing them, being confrontation, not wanting to address those issues, those lingering, whatever it may be. You know, you put it behind something else, you put something else over the top of it, you distract yourself with a life goal or a relationship or anything like that. So with going through my whole life fearing all of these things, the only way I was really able to overcome them was just to lose all respect for them. I understand that they're not real anymore. So when my anxiety now, when these things enter the room, they're still loud. Maybe I'm not in that part, right. Of my journey yet. Maybe I haven't healed enough. Maybe I, you know, I've got to figure out my medication or <laughs> my therapy sessions, whatever mm -hmm. it is, right. To get them to be quieter when they enter the room, but they kick the door in like the mask, right. The old Jim Carrey movie. And I just turn around and go like, Hey, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, I have to show them blatant disrespect to almost alpha them. So when they come up, I just, like I said, I show them no respect. I acknowledge them. I'm like, Oh, you're here again to what, to do nothing to me, to just torture me for a few hours till you get exhausted. And then you need to go take a nap until you're ready to fuck with me again. Is that really what we're going to do? Yeah. Like you piece of shit. You can never come to me on a strong day. You only wait on the days where my meetings go bad or I wake up in a bad mood or the kids have a rough day at school. Like you're a coward. Like I almost just get into a roast battle with it yeah. and just shame it. So I should try the roasting. I definitely do get blunt with them. Like the other day I was walking past the mirror in the bedroom, just going to get some coffee. And I took a quick glance at myself and I stopped and I was like, oh damn, I don't like, yeah, I need to, I need to go for a walk today for sure. I, I'm feeling a little, little heavy. And I started like, twisting and just looking at my like started analyzing myself in the mirror and i stopped i was like get the fuck out of here like what no i'm not even supposed to look at you and i just walked away i was like no you you don't get to talk right now i know what you're doing i'm not not today i'm i haven't even had coffee yet calm the fuck down let me let me relax a little before you start your chirping you know let me do that while i'm at the gym shit on me while i'm at the gym where i can do something about it not right now i'm trying to sip coffee yeah get rude with them like just get disrespectful. They don't, mm. they don't have any place in your life, right? They don't have any, they don't deserve your respect. They don't deserve a, a spot in your life. And hopefully one day I'll figure out, right. How to actually get them from coming in the door. Like that'd be nice not to have to fight these battles on a daily basis. Um, it's easier, but I can't say I'm fully ready uh, to let go of them. I mean, they have protected me. They have given me company. They've given me a space to think and talk and stuff. They just, they're jealous and they don't like sharing. There's the space in my mind. Whenever I was alone post-divorce and single and lonely, COVID set in and I'm, I'm just shut in in my apartment, kept me company. He pushed me to do more, get off the couch, go do something. But the, those healthy things, get off the couch and go do something, I feel like that was my reaction to him. And so that's why I have a love-hate relationship because he, it has driven me to do more. But at the same time, he, he talks when he's not wanted. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind though, is that even the devil will bless you. Mm -hmm. that's so good. that's good. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a real thing though, right? Like if you just say, Hey man, I'd love to have this in my life and you don't, you know, you don't put the two on the, the envelope, <laughs> man, the devil gives out blessings just like God does <laughs> all day, every day. Um, so those blessings you have, like the little opportunities, it's a, that's an interesting way to, to look at it. And I actually, I heard that a few weeks ago and it's kind of rang around in my head for a bit. I like that. Yeah. Um, because those, right. You, you said something that's really interesting and it, it resonates with me because like they're familiar, right? They're safe. They, you always try to make, uh, reasons for them being there. Like it's okay to have this because of whatever. Mm hmm. When in reality, it's not, it's not okay that they're there. They shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be taking up the space because if they're in the room with you, then you can't maneuver around them to paint the walls, right? To put the furniture in that you want to put. Yeah. And at this point in my life, I've got a really good blank canvas that I'm really happy about and that I love painting and I love seeing, and I can't do it when they're in the room with me, when they're in my way. So they like, yeah, my goal is to get rid of them because as far as I'm concerned, they're devil blessings. Mm -hmm. They may have got me to where I am now, but they are not my forever blessings. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're my hot boy summer blessings, basically. <laughs> like they're not, 
these are not fiance blessings or you know yeah. potential wifey blessings. <laughs> So. When did when did this start for you? Do you do you remember a time where like Evil Parker's entered the chat? Like when did that when did that happen? When oh did he, yeah. When did he get a voice? Yeah. So there was a. So we're gonna get a little deep here because the first time it happened, and I didn't understand it was um, right after I got my medical card for marijuana, and I started like I swapped off my presence. Um, per the supervision of a doctor, just in case that ever comes up, um, uh, to kind of see like what was going on and just to see if I could help my anxiety and depression that way through, you know, natural medicine versus, um, pharmaceutical. And I got really high one night by accident cause I was still figuring it out. You know, I didn't, I was not ready for this medical grade weed Yeah, and, uh, it set me on my ass on the back porch and I remember hearing myself talk, but I wasn't talking. Like I was hearing people, I was hearing me say shit. And then I'd look around and I'm like, I ain't said nothing. Like, I don't. And I so I heard, thought I was hallucinating. I just heard every preacher in America just say, I told y'all it was a gateway drug. Y'all never listen. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what gateway it goes to. It's not the gateway to hell. It's the gateway to mental enlightenment. Because <laughs> what I realized was, is that the noise in my life had been so loud and I had let it become so loud that all of these needs that I had that I know these unresolved traumas, these things that I had shown no attention to and no love. And I hadn't worked on myself. I just let all of this stuff on me just fall through the cracks. Um, it gave it a voice. You know, I had some trips where I would kind of go quote unquote, go into my subconscious and I would see a lot of stuff that would feel icky that I wouldn't want to touch or that I wouldn't, you know, it just felt weird being around. And I thought it was really interesting that I would get elevated in my mind and I wouldn't want to touch anything in my mind. And mm. I was like, that's weird because it's my brain. Why does everything feel toxic in here? That doesn't, that doesn't line up with who I think I am as a human. I should be able to uncover some of these boxes and kind of going through those mental exercises of just, you know, imagining a box on a shelf and pulling it off. There was demons that started popping out, not demons like yeah. Satan demons, but you know, those multiple versions of you, right? Like the nine year old Parker that, got bullied in elementary school and got his pants thrown into the, the sink after football practice showed up. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. And he's like, Oh, don't, you don't remember public embarrassment? Like I'm the root <laughs> of your public embarrassment fear. And I was like, no shit. Did you have really? the thought of whenever he, like he showed up, it's like, have you been here the whole time? Like, were you just waiting on I, me? Did you show up now? Like, how did you manifest? I had all of those questions, but I was more dumbfounded by the fact that like he was there. Cause as far as I was concerned, that motherfucker was real. Like I was in the room with him. Like I saw the younger version of me and I saw him hurt. Like he didn't pop out happy. He popped out with that same feeling that I had when I realized the bell rang for second period and I didn't have pants to wear because someone bullied me and threw my pants into the sink and turned the water on. Hmm. I then proceeded to kick the shit out of that kid and get in trouble <laughs> but I'll never forget that laughter of everyone of me walking around in my fucking tidy whities trying to find my pants and then him laughing at me hysterically as he just pours water on them. So I'll like that rank, you know, core memory unlocked. Yeah, I was right? just, I was just about to say it. <laughs> That's when I had the realization of almost, you know, that scene from the matrix when like it kicks out and there's like just infinite doors. It's just a hallway of just, yeah, just every door. It was basically that, like a never-ending storage unit, but it kind of looked like the evidence locker from a police station where it's just these shitty brown boxes on shitty brown boxes, <laughs> okay. but they have this sludge over them. I just kind of looked at him, and I looked down the hallway to the left and to the right, and I was like, this shit goes on forever. And he just kind of looked at me like, yeah, motherfucker, you've been through shit. Like, and then I had that realization of, oh, no, every one of these boxes is a trauma that I have to address. And then I got divorced. And then all that went on fire and everything opened at once. <laughs> I realized the toxic sludge was not sludge. It was napalm. Yeah. And all it was fucking waiting for was for one of my core pillars of my life, right? My kids, my wife, and my sister. That was the only three things holding this whole fucking bullshit toxic sludge factory up, right? Mm -hmm. And then one of those got knocked down. And the second it did, it ignited the flame and literally unlocked every trauma I had in my whole life. And 
post-divorce, there were plenty of nights, and you know this, you can vouch for this, where I would just tell you, like, I'm just staying at home and smoke a weed tonight. And those were demon fighting nights, right? Those were, why am I chronically sad? Like, why do I not have the will to wake up in the morning? Why can't I find joy and happiness with my kids? And then it was fucking DMV line of demons that I had unlocked <laughs> after the divorce. And it's just like, and I'm now seeing number 187. <laughs> oh, broken arm. Okay. What, what trauma did I get with my broken arm? I was playing football. And it's like, oh, well, that's why you don't like running backwards. I'm like, I have a fear of running backwards. <laughs> when did that fear happen? Like, oh my God. So it was, and that's what it was. It was just me yeah. sitting in my apartment, just cycling through <laughs> every one of these being like, what trauma you got, motherfucker? Why don't I like oranges? Please tell me. <laughs> but it was weeks of that. Just yeah. weeks of every night. Just, all right, let's cycle through these. Let's have these conversations. But it all, with that one kind of like, am I saying something? Like, I feel like some, a version of me is saying something to me. Yeah. But it was, it wasn't in a paranoid schizophrenic kind of way. It was like, in a like, I need help kind of way. So that's, yeah, that's where it all started with me. Hmm. So it never showed up during your marriage, really? It never... Yeah, because keep in mind for, and if we're going to be honest, right, that's probably one of the reasons that I stayed as long as I did because my process up until that point was when trauma happened to put it in box and put it next to other stuff. Mm -hmm. That's how I dealt with trauma, right? I would make sure the people around me were no longer affected. As soon as the people around me were no longer affected, I didn't give a shit about myself. I boxed it up, put it on a shelf. And that, I mean, I personally, you know, stamped every one of those boxes and put them in there. It, nobody else did that. It was me. Yeah. And I started it from year one of my marriage. Yeah, I started it from childhood, right? Everybody's got boxes, but yeah, I started working overtime, you know, when I got married of putting down and not, not ever having to think about it again. Right. Once it's in the box and not on the shelf, it's fine. You don't have to worry about it anymore because it's been taken care of, right? It's been addressed. It's yeah. been labeled. And it's been put away. That was my method. As long as it got talked about, then I could file it away. It didn't have to be healed. Yep. It didn't have to be addressed. You know, none of the fun stuff that I know about now. But it, yeah, just label it. See what the chances are of it happening again. Throw it on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't have the emotional depth, right, to understand that just because I analyzed the feeling doesn't mean that I processed it. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I've acknowledged a feeling doesn't mean that I've healed from it or, or learned or whatever it may be. And it took, you know, almost 10 years of a marriage, right? For everything to implode. It did eventually. That closet should have been clear. It shouldn't have been an infinite storage locker of mm -hmm. everything that I've ever bought. Every stray phone call, text message, every side look at the mall, every weird comment, every not taking the trash out on yeah. time, every burnt dinner, Right just all of it in boxes instead of just letting it go, just understanding it was a mistake or miscommunicate or, you know, just not having that emotional intelligence to process and heal and truly let things go. That's what I'm really glad you brought that up. Cause one of the number one questions I've been asked since releasing season one is why the hell did we stay in our marriages? If they were that bad, if it was so traumatic and you know, we have PTSD from it now and we have to go through all this therapy and all this different stuff. Why did we stay? Why were we sad when it ended? What made you think that that locker was infinite, that you could just keep compartmentalizing everything, throwing it on the shelf and pushing it down the line. Well, it never collapsed. Why would you change something that is working? Even if that thing is toxic, mm -hmm. I'm not aware of it being toxic. It's the way I process emotions. It's the way I've always processed emotions. I'm a pretty successful human being. I've got two healthy young children. Mm -hmm. I'm in what I seem to be, what I assume to be a successful marriage. Why would this not work? This is exactly how I've always done things, Stephen. There's no need for me to change anything. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just brutally honest, right? That was my mindset on it is it works. I didn't know there was anything, any other way to process or deal with it, but it was truly ignorance. I assumed that my way was great. So every time that something happened in the marriage, as long as we were able to discuss it, I would just shelf it. Okay. She knows, right? She's aware of it. And then it would happen again. And then I'd be like, well, that's weird. But I would never go back to the first box, right? And be like, hey, we've already talked about this. I would just add a new box. 
Yeah, the most I would use box reference numbers was just for a pure count. Like if I was in an argument with her, I'd give her the sum of the boxes, but never contradict why I was stacking them up in the first place. I know for me, there were a couple like just base points, right? Just not wanting to be divorced just flat out because, uh, you know, we had a rough year one and like I think it was 22, 23 when I got married. Hmm. Um, so I had, I had a really horrifying realization of like going to work without my wedding ring and people asking like, what's going on. I'm like, damn, whoo, how much more fuck up trailer park could you be brother, man? First <laughs> marriage didn't last more than a year. Way to live up to the old ball knob standard. So, <laughs> and I didn't want to let that win. Right. I didn't want anyone to think I was a fuck up or a failure. And me being the type of person that I was at that point in time, assumed it was all my fault, right? Why yeah. else would she be interested in going into other people? Why else wouldn't she be interested in what's going on at home? What well, has to be because of me? Very simple. It's, it's, she's fine. I love her. I fell in love with her. There's clearly nothing wrong with her. There's something with me that I have to change. Yeah. So you, you take that line of thinking and if like for me, that's what happened on year one. I just rinsed and repeated it for nine fucking years. <laughs> until I, I was blissfully thinking of like, I want to get to 30 years of marriage. I want to have this. I want to yeah. travel to like, I was doing I was that just... same shit. I, I remember going to somebody's uh, wedding anniversary. They've been together 50 years. And I was like, yeah, what is 50. that like? That I wonder knows. if I'll ever get there. I was like, maybe if we push through this enough, I'll actually make it there mm -hmm. and think about the, like the joy I'll have then. Cause like we worked through the hard shit and made it out the other side. That dumbass you got hope. To spend a life. <laughs> you got to spend a lifetime with the person that you proved everyone wrong, right? Yeah. They said you'd never fucking make it. They said whatever it is. And you're like, suck a dick. We've been together 50 years. And that was, I was doing all of that, right? I was mm -hmm. once again, ignoring the problem for another goal or something else. I would just cover up each problem with the next goal that I had within my relationship, right? Our, our second house, the 401k, the whatever it is, right? The kids do attend in private school. I would never, ever look at any of the boxes that I had in the backlog. I was so concerned about what the next boxes were. And if you follow that pattern, like I said, year over year, yeah. time passes real fucking quick, man. And then all of a sudden you're nine years in and she tells you, you want to see other people. And you're like, how the fuck did I get here? But you just fell into a pattern. You fell into a 365 day pattern. And apparently, like I said, my limit was about nine years of those boxes. That was about what. And I guess technically it wasn't even really my limit because she was the one that snapped. I was the dumbass that was still trying to be like, no, 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 it's cool. <laughs> we can figure out how to make this work. <laughs> like, we can try real hard. Uh, I'm going to ignore the fact that you just asked me if you can go on a date with another dude um, when our 10-year anniversary <laughs> is about four or five whatever months away, like wherever yeah. the fuck we're at. Um, that's fine. We can get past. Oh, we can't get past that. <laughs> we can't yeah. get past that. So that I went to go put that box up, and that's when I was like, that's weird. This shelf's never full. And I walk down the hallway. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> Where does this go? And then I had to walk, I had to leave the closet with it. Right. And then you're like, oh, this, I can't now carry, this, carry around. this with me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. I can't carry this around with me. Mm, oh, no. I have to get divorced. That's it. Oh, fuck. I have to get divorced. Yep. That's, I mean, for me, that's it, man. That's, that's your, that's marriage through divorce right there. I'm, I don't know. Why'd your dumb ass stay around? How about that one? <laughs> no, it's pretty similar to that. Um, I wasn't ready for you to ask me that question. <laughs> well, look, I'm tired of making myself look real fucking stupid on this podcast right now. I need you to show some of your stupidity too. Yeah. Cause I've just been berating myself for the past 20 minutes. <laughs> so, because an interesting juxtaposition though, between us two, right. Is that I stayed around with like no hard evidence of cheating besides year one and the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I had whisperings, rumors. I heard it all the time, but I shut the hell up. I didn't, I, it, that ain't, you know, I can't believe those people. What does it matter? But you were going through the same stuff I was going through, but had evidence of affairs. Yeah. That's real easy to uh, say when you know what an affair is. Uh, I was an idiot, to put it bluntly. I mean, that's being hard on myself, but I, I, I didn't know that an emotional affair was still an affair. When I, I didn't even find out the term emotional affair until I went to therapy. So I just thought 
I couldn't ever really call it cheating. And ironically enough, she wouldn't let me. And I listened to her because <laughs> uh, I think I said it one time. I was like, it feels like you're cheating on me. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not cheating on you. Like I'm, I'm, he's just a friend, you know, the classic, he's just a friend or, you know, whenever she was blatantly caught, it was never, it was never cheating. It was never an affair. It was, why would you hurt me like this? Why would you do this to me? So I spent a good chunk of our marriage in the realm of that. She's just really mean and abrasive and abusive. And I got to learn how to like handle this and how to manage her, her gaslighting me and, and all that kind of stuff. It just, it, it would snowball. And before I knew it, I was in the middle of a fucking avalanche. So you said something really interesting to me. I don't think I've ever asked you this. Did you learn the term emotional affair while you were still married or was it towards yeah. like the end? Towards the end, but while I was still married. Okay. So still married. So it wasn't like something you learned in the middle and had a few years to piece together. Like you were just suffering, just eating shit like the rest of us were. And then kind of had that conversation. I was like, wait, 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 time out. What'd you say? How'd you describe yeah. that? Emotional well, I mean, what? keep in mind, remember that I went to therapy to address my anger issues and I couldn't, I don't know. I just never drugged the word cheating. I don't think into it. I know for sure. I never drugged the word affair into it just because I didn't, I asked her, I think that's the closest I ever got is I asked her, like, are you sleeping with somebody? Is this, has this ever manifested? Like, what if this person came to town? But I, I never associated the that with affair. I assumed if it wasn't physical sex, then she wasn't cheating or having an affair on me. And so I felt stuck in this in incredibly gray area because I was like, this feels and hurts just like cheating, <laughs> but it's, it feels this way, but it's not this way. I know that uh, the term sexting started becoming popular around that time, or at least that's when I started hearing about it. And so I finally had a name to say that she was sexting somebody. And I would tell her I didn't, you know, I didn't like that. That's got to stop. But <clears throat> that would just usually turn into it's my problem or I made her do it. Or if I was better or, you know, if I was this, yes, I was that. Yeah. Then she wouldn't feel the need to cheat. Like if I didn't work third shift, she wouldn't feel the need to, you know, reach out to someone else for companionship because she's lonely. And I'm like, you know what? So You're messaging these guys at midnight. You could text your husband. Like if you're staying up in bed and, you know, and you're horny and you're wanting a piece of something, like I'm, I'm awake, reach out to me. That shit hurts right there. Yeah. When you're like, so like, why, I don't know. Yeah. Why aren't you doing this with me? <laughs> that's where a lot <laughs> of you the do hurt, this with me, we'd be fine. Yeah. That's where the hurt came in, um, was that she wouldn't do it with me. Like you, you're free to do it out here with these strangers and other people that you supposedly know and all this kind of stuff. But like, I'm, I'm off limits. You know, it's that gaslighting, that abusiveness. And that's where to, to just boil down why I stayed, I would have to say, um, insecurity and brainwashing and gaslighting. Cause I, I was not strong or confident enough in myself to have any boundaries or have any self-respect on how a person should be treated. And so without that, without any level of where I stand in that, I was just free to be treated. However, you know, she saw fit. And I, I find myself relating to these people that were, you know, say in a sex cult and they were abused and raped and people always ask them like, why, like what you should have just left. Like they're mad at the person for not leaving. Like, well, they did that to themselves, the whole victim blaming it's they, they did that to themselves. If they had done this, they wouldn't be put in that position. I talked to myself that way. You know, maybe she's right. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I, she wouldn't do this if I could have done better. And every time I watch those documentaries, I, I, I relate to them. I feel, I feel for it because I, I too was abused. I, yeah. So was your cycle, um, cause my cycle was avoidance, right? It was, um, my, my ex never, she might've had a few times, but there wasn't major gaslights or things like that. This probably happened occasionally, but, um, it seemed like our cycle was like clash avoidance and then bury it where yours was clash gaslighting bury it. Yeah. Cause we, I know it looks different, right? That cycle for <clears throat> everyone. And so just the way mine played out, like I said, it was majorly avoidance, but it sounds like it was confrontation plus gaslighting with you. So I know that's a different experience when you bring an emotional issue to someone and then they counter it Yeah. with, well, they, they try to invalidate it with their own feelings. Right? So I never really had, I didn't have to go through that for my whole marriage. 
um, where you did. So I know that, you know, like you said, almost a little Stockholm syndrome ish, right? Yeah. Um, so it was, I had a therapist actually point this out to actually, it wasn't our therapist. We were in a life group at the time and we were going through, um, it's the book where do I have it? Not behind me. Anyway, I thought I had the book behind me. I was going to read, read the cover, but it's created for connection. It's a couple's, you know, guidebook to help get you through stuff. So the therapist friend of mine was going over this book and talking to everybody about it. And they talked about these cycles of withdrawal and pursuit. And in the book, it shows these diagrams of an arrow facing one way and the other arrow behind it facing the same way in a, in a pursuit and chasing. And then they would flip. And that was pretty much our marriage for a lot of it. Like I would pursue and she would withdraw and move away. And then whenever she felt ready to pursue, usually I was too angry or whatever to accept any of it. And so it was always a chase back and forth, back and forth. And one of my favorite illustrations of it was towards the end, I could tell she was leaving. Like she was really withdrawn, really pulled back. And I, I mean, I was tired. It's like in that pursuit, I got slower. You know, I got exhausted. I wore out. And so my run became a walk and then she's still running and then she realizes that I've, that I've stopped and I'm just now walking. And so she would like turn around and come back and then like tease it just a little bit. And then I just, oh, okay. And just keep on trudging through until finally at one point I just stop and she just keeps on walking. And that visualization for me always hit home because it was, I, I always said, this was like in my inner thoughts, my alone time. I always said that if I had stopped investing in that marriage that it would die i mean that's i felt that it would die and now obviously i can look at that and be like that's extremely unhealthy and obviously a toxic relationship if you feel like you're the only one carrying the relationship that's not a relationship bro that's you with a roommate so spoilers yeah (laughs) doesn't end well but i mean obviously that's hindsight so at that time i was just like man, it'll be so great when she picks up this, this side one day, like when I'm not caring about myself, when she reaches up and she picks it up too. And then we're walking side by side and Jesus Christ, that, that hook that gets you, man. It's like one day she will, when she's good, when she's where she should be, everything will be fine. Yeah. Let me ask you this. How many times did you uh, ever say the phrase or did you hear her say the phrase? When we're good, we're great. We're amazing. But when we're bad, it's horrible. It's it's nuclear. It's so bad. Yeah. And mine was more from the um from her mental aspect, right? Um she like she said that, and I, I would hesitate because I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I remember her saying that about like when she's invested in the relationship, it's like the best marriage she could ever ask for, right? Like I'd I cook, I clean, I'm good with the kids. Like I, I do all the sweet things, right? Like I check all the fucking boxes, but then it would almost backfire. Cause when she would withdraw and I would do nice things for her, it almost, it made her feel worse because she didn't feel the need to reciprocate that. Mm-hmm. So I would do good things for her and then she would already be depressed. And then she would feel guilty about not doing those things for me. Yeah. And then I would have to, then I had the savior complex, right? Of like, no, it's okay. You don't have to do anything for me because that stresses you out. It's fine. And then it became the normal to where I did stuff for her. And then she didn't have to return the favor because I didn't want to stress her out with it. So I never expected anything in return. And then, you know, I probably built the culture, honestly, of not, not getting anything back Mm -hmm. because of that, because I was so worried about what it would cause, um, that I was like, it's fine. Just don't worry about it. I'll, I'll take care of you. It's okay. And then one day you know, when you're done with school and then you get finished with school and then it's like, well, we have a kid and then you have a kid and it's like, well, we buy buy the bigger house and then you get the bigger house and then you have the second kid or I get my dream job. Uh, and all of those things happen. Yeah. And that ladder continues (laughs) too, because it's, 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 you're looking, you're looking at like, well, you know, maybe if she eats dinner, like then we can talk, we'll cuddle and it'll all be okay. And then that doesn't go so well. So it's like you push that a week out. It's like, well, maybe after the boys, you know, 
doctor appointment. Maybe we'll really connect in and we can kind of figure this out. And it's like, okay, maybe after our anniversary, you know, we're going on a little trip. Maybe that'll work. You just keep pushing that date out back and back and back. And just, just like your bookshelf or your evidence locker, you know, that thing does have a limit. And when you reach it, it's, uh, I normally try not to be too doomsday, but for me, it was fucking catastrophic. (laughs) It was, it was not a minor issue. It was 30 plus years of just shit of just things that I shouldn't have, shouldn't have had, (laughs) should not have been keeping things that I shouldn't have had on me as a burden. But for some reason I refuse to clear it out and get rid of it. But what about this? If mm -hmm. you could change it, would you not take her back? Um, I'm saying if you could change the experience, would you like, if someone walked up to you today and said, if you press this button, you get to be the Parker you are now, but that that that's no longer part of your story. No, Would I wouldn't. I wouldn't hit the button. I wouldn't change anything I did in my life. Um, even the shit I regret, oddly enough. Um, everything made me who I am. And even if you say like I'm going to be the person I am, I don't. I wouldn't believe it because of I didn't think this version of me was even possible. Mm-hmm. Um, until I went through the craziest shit in my whole life. So my yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it. Um, I don't feel like I wasted anything. Um, I mean, I'm still relatively young. 33. Be 30. Oh, wait. I'm 33. Shit. Yeah. I'll be yeah, 34 you're 33. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, well, hold on. Ooh. Yeah. You're 33. I had to carry the one and then divide <laughs> by zero. I was, oh, fucking hey. Okay. Yeah. Cause you're like, you're um, five months ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got married young, right? Like I, I was almost married a decade. Um, you know, got out of my thirties and, you know, kind of reinvented who I am and what it is and the person I want to be. And every, I mean, every fucked up thing I've ever been through or done or experienced my entire life is built to this moment. And this is the best time in my life that it's ever been. So I'd hesitate to move any of the Jenga pieces that got me to this point. So I'm definitely more concerned with the, the ones in, in front of me. So would you change it? I, I don't think so either. I've gone back and forth. Um, if I get down to the brass tacks of it, yeah, I think if I could avoid that pain, I would. But I, I'm the same with you. I question of who I would be if I hadn't gone through it. Because obviously, if I was the person I am now, like back then, everything would be different. I think this is a really good question because not to go too deep, but this is actually something that I asked my mom um, when she got out of prison. Because like I said, you know, it's no no spoilers. I got a fucked up childhood, but, uh, when my mom and dad both went to prison, um, mom finally decided at that point, Hey, I should probably get divorced. Um, <laughs> logic sense in strange places. I'm yeah. glad she had a moment of clarity and, you know, Newport women's facility. Fucking shout out. <laughs> shout out to Phil gang. <laughs> but, uh, I asked her, I said, Hey, like, do you regret, you know, you and dad were together for fucking 19 years and you know, that was not, the highlight of your life like by any means like that was that was some rough times and lots of lots of things that we don't bring up and she told me i love you to death mom but you don't have very many points of wisdom and you had one on this one but she said that she wouldn't change anything because it got her me and my sister right so whatever bad happened in her life was washed away because she got us out of it Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter what she went through she got the two greatest joys in her life out of that fucked up time so she's good with it, right? It's like, a, she's like, I, you know. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. And not that I feel that way necessarily around um, my ex, right? That it was a fucking complete waste of whatever. But I wouldn't have got my boys out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't have got this version of my boys. I would have had kids. I would have, they would have had different personalities though. They would have had, like, I wouldn't have got to experience this version of them. And so even if there's a small chance that it alters the two beautiful rays of sunshine in my life that I'm watching grow. If it would alter them at all, I wouldn't want to do it because I love who they are and I love who they're growing into. So, you know what, man, if I had to have a little fucked up marriage and to be able to give them a life lesson later in life about like, Hey, probably don't get married young. Wait, ask some questions, date a while. Yeah. It's good enough for me, man. Like I got more stories in my back pocket to tell them when they get old enough to drink. Yeah. Godspeed. It's a hard question because you got the the whole what if aspect because it's it's not possible. You know, obviously we can't we couldn't ever go back and undo and and play God and see what what version happened where. But I, like I'm proud of the way I've handled it and I'm proud of what I went through and what I did and the community and society that I get to represent now. 
because I went through the college courses to do it, like to get my master's in abuse and <laughs> affairs and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Like it's, they're not oh, popular shit. courses. <laughs> they're night classes for sure, but I got my master's in it. So <laughs> fucking, you're the only one that signed up. At least you thought you were. And then you went in there and the class was fucking packed. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God, why is there 60 people Tuesday at eight o'clock? Like, yeah. what are we doing? People? Are we all that stupid? Oh, we are. Yeah. All right. I'm bringing donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll see y'all next week yeah. where we talk about emotional abuse. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, man. it's... I mean, I could what if my life to death. It's just, it's, like I said, everything got me to here, and here is really interesting, and it's really fun. Yeah. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, you know, I really feel like I got the clarity to kind of go through life and maximize it. Mm-hmm. And really, whatever time I got left here on Earth with you know you and my family and my boys, um, just maximizing that and understanding that like I could go on autopilot and I could fucking run through nine years and then I'd be in the same spot I was in at you know at forty two that I was at at thirty three. I ain't got no interest in that, man. I got interest in growing. I got interest in you know building my family out more. I got interest. I got a lot of goals. I got a lot of things I want to do. Yeah. And I I don't have time to, it's fun to, you know, have a drink. What if I didn't, what if, you know, what if I actually went to a four year university instead of a two year university? Like, what if I would have committed and took that debt and went to the other school? Mm-hmm. Would I have done this? What if my what ex if, would have done if, the same what thing? If, what, what if, if what if, <laughs> it's, it's yep. never ending. You can do so many other, other storylines and it just, it all, it all pans out. The better question is what now? What now? What do we do now? Cause that's the fun question. Cause it's whatever the fuck we want to do, man. Yeah. That's the dope part about it. Um, but I never personally experienced any physical abuse in my marriage. Um, the only matter of fact, the only time that anyone ever attempted to lay hands on me, I was dating a girl when I was 16 and she hit me and I told her if she hit me again, I was going to double leg her and put her ass on the ground. And she did. And then I, put her on the ground and sat on top of her. And I was like, I was raised not to hit women, but your ass is pushing it. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, and then the, obviously that relationship didn't work out, but, uh, I'm curious because you actually went through some physical abuse in your marriage, along with all the other things we talked about affairs and all that other good jazz. And that can, I mean, that's a real point for a lot of people. Um, it's also a thing that people look at and really raise an eyebrow to, yeah. When it comes to staying in a marriage for a long time, right? Is if there's any kind of abuse at all, like what the fuck are you talking about? Like your loved one wouldn't put your hand on you. So how do you, I don't know, just it put me in your head, man, because I know that's a tough spot to be in. <laughs> I just, yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the tough thing is that. So abuse, I put in the same category as affairs. You know, I was ignorant in their definitions. I didn't think that I was living it out. There's, a whole lot that goes into it. I mean, generally people don't look at a male as being possible of getting abused from a woman. Um, that's usually just looking in a physical sense, but it happens. It happens to quite a few people. You know, men also get raped by women. Like it's people hurt each other on both sides. It doesn't matter the stereotype or what's more common. It happens. I mean, people hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just really didn't know that I was being abused. And I look back at it now and the gaslighting, the putting me down, you know, self-deprecating, mocking me and not self-deprecating, the deprecating language. You know, it wasn't just me. Mm. The mocking me, the treating me like shit out in public or embarrassing us in front of people, yelling at me in the middle of a grocery store and all around treating me like crap and as well as laying hands on me occasionally. You know, I got quite a few slaps to the face and shoves to the chest and a couple things thrown at me. And the one that hit me the hardest came out in therapy and I didn't realize I was even holding on to it because it was just a moment that I, I had shelved, right? I had put it in the storage closet and just prayed that it would go away. But we went to a little Halloween festival and uh, some people might know it. It was a nighty night festival here in Little Rock. And the whole theme is for people to dress up like zombies, lumberjack zombies, and then just go and drink beer and stuff like that. So we get dressed up. We go to this event. We have 
uh, a horrible night. <laughs> we get there. She splits off and goes spends time with a friend and just kind of leaves me by myself. And I'm just kind of wandering around this festival, not really sure, knowing what to do, trying to get a hold of her, calling her, couldn't figure you know, out where she went. So I start feeling all these horribly immense feelings of abandonment and, you know, I'm just worth nothing. I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't exist. It's, it's that simple. I, I remember going and uh, sitting down on just a little cinder block and just looking at the, the crowd of people in front of me, I was kind of at the corner of this event. And so you got these little pop-up tents and other people in costume and a stage and all this kind of stuff and people just wandering around kind of like a circus. And I'm just watching all these people and just thinking, I don't belong here. Like, I just don't. Uh, the one person that I'm here with, like, doesn't even want to hang out with me. She's not even here with me. I must be absolute just trash. And uh, so when I finally do see her again, I confront her about it and tell her, hey, like, where the fuck have you been? Like, where where are you at? Like, we came to this together. You're just going to go hang out with someone else. Like, can I at least tag along? Like, what's going on? And that started an argument that escalated and kept on escalating. And later that night, whenever we're finally back at home, we were just in a full on yelling match. And then I was exhausted and finally done. And I still had all this uh, fake prosthetics to make me look like a zombie on me covered in blood, fake blood, ripped up shirt and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I need to take a shower. Let me clear my head. I'm going to just take a second to rest and then we can finish this conversation. And she wasn't really a big fan of that. And I get in the shower and the memory that is burned in my head is me standing butt ass naked in my shower, have lukewarm water hitting me. And I'm trying to peel off this fake skin and there's blood running down my face, fake blood, but there's blood running down my face. She rips the curtain open. And the blast of cold air just runs straight into the shower. It startled me because I was in the, just in the zone thinking, processing this whole interaction of just like, why are we in this argument? Like, I feel like I deserve to be, you know, around you and validated and hang out. Like we're actually want to be together and you're just running, like just all this stuff running through my head and I'm zoned out and (laughs) she's just standing there. And then she just starts hitting me, punching me in the shoulder, in the chest I just keep getting these flashes of this, this, this shower, man, of blood (laughs) and and being hit and being yelled at and abused. And I'm just vulnerable and I'm naked and I'm quite honestly scared because like it was so erratic. I just looked at her and I was like, please look at what you're doing. Like, please stop. Like finally she, she did and she left then walked out, went to the living room and I was just standing there with water running down me soaked in, you know, fake blood. (laughs) And so that, that vision is, is still burned with me. You know, I've had therapy over that moment. Was I actually in danger? Probably not. Did, did I have to fear for my life? No. And since those questions weren't yeses, I, I wrote it off. That's not abuse. And that's a fucking wild justification. (laughs) Yeah. It's horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Like not to, you know, not, not poking at you. Right. But like just the mindset, right. The the mindset of being in that kind of relationship and just being like, no, 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 it's fine. Like she wasn't going to kill me. What if I should go to, she hit me a few times. Like, it's fine. I'll just take a shower. It's all good. (laughs) Like, (laughs) holy shit, brother, man. Like good googly moogly. Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe you just said googly moogly. I mean, it felt fucking appropriate. Like, yeah. cause you just, you're taking a shower, you get your ass whooped and then you just got to finish the shower. Now you're like, like fucking, let me grab my head and shoulders, I guess, and finish this. And maybe I won't get my ass whooped when I get out of the shower. Like what? Yeah. Fucking talk me through those next steps. Cause I know you're not drying off normally. Like, are you fucking defensive stance ready to front kick the door? If she comes back in or like, I was, okay. How do you go to bed? <laughs> the same way I did every night. <laughs> Praying that tomorrow would be better. That's it. Just hoping, hoping that maybe one day I'll be seen. Maybe one day it'll it'll catch. Maybe one day it'll be a little bit better. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep peeling the scab back because I love you, but fuck you at the same time. Um, <laughs> so that 
traumatic physical abuse in therapy, talking about it. We both suffered from different forms of verbal abuse. Um, once again, I think mine less severe than yours. There was no public shaming on my half or anything like that. Um, so I'm curious about your, for lack of a better term, hall of fame, of verbal abuse moment. What was your, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to word it. Like what's your, what's your therapy worthy verb verbal abuse story, I guess. <laughs> um, what was the question? <laughs> Sorry, that that got me. I was just I was picturing myself holding a plaque, like I'm in the Hall of Fame. I did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got your gold jacket, and it's yeah. just got, like you're a piece of shit written all the insults you yeah. ever got your whole life all written all over it. Get a, a um, poop emoji pin. But yeah, I mean, just <laughs> lapel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you you know, you talk about that moment, right? Being burned in your head, that physical abuse moment of like even you know something now that you can very clearly hear, like you can recall all of those emotions, that water, the feeling, everything that goes into that. So I wonder if there's a counter to that, or there was a, you know, a Halloween party that you were at, or there was a time in the store where it was just a nuclear fucking meltdown. And she's saying all these terrible things and you're just in public going, what, like, how are you talking to me? Like, I didn't, didn't know if you had a, a rank one first ballot hall of fame. Fucking yeah. Story. Yeah. I, I got more. I got plenty. Um, <laughs> So this one time we were, uh, <laughs> we were in, was it a band camp? No, it was, uh, it was in Florida. So imagine what can happen there. Um, <laughs> for those of you who can't see Parker right now, <laughs> burn it down. I don't trust that state. Yeah. It's beautiful though on the coast. Anyway. So, uh, so you're just wanting to know, like if I have a verbal ranking, like something to throw in the slot for verbal. Yeah, because I mean, I know that there were specific items, right, that I brought up in therapy, like post divorce or, you know, during that time that kind of stuck out to me. And then with you having different experiences, right, with dealing with different levels of abuse or things like that, I'm just curious about, you know, that's burning your head. I have stuff burned into mine, but verbally, like, was there, like, can you not go into Gordman's anymore? Well, Gordman's is shut down, but like, can you not go into JCPenney without sweating? Because <laughs> there was one time that she just yelled at you over a polo in there or something that is just, a core memory unlocked, right? Like core trauma unlocked. It's what's sad right now, man, is that I'm actually cycling through my whole little portfolio of, of memories and I'm trying to pick one. I don't like, I'm, I'm trying to think which story to share now, which story to share later, which stories to mean. Like, I don't <laughs> pick a category. I, I probably have it. That, that was how low my yeah. self-esteem was at the time. Hey, I'll, I'll pick a, uh, I'll, I'll pick a location for you. Okay. Let's go restaurant. This is like a shitty game show. Okay. This is fun, actually. (laughs) Share your trauma. Come on now. (laughs) That's going to be a sound drop for sure. (laughs) Fuck. I'm going to stop saying stupid shit. So, uh, restaurant story. Let's see. Uh, We're going to go to the great cheese state of Wisconsin for this one. And (laughs) we're going to go to a a Coob tournament that I uh, love. It's a little Swedish yard game that is one of my favorite sports to ever play and actually compete in. But we're up at uh, Wisconsin in Eau Claire for a Coob tournament. And the night before the tournament, we're all out at the bar hanging out. And actually, this is about middle of the afternoon. We're waiting on the restaurant open to go to dinner. So... Me and her and my friends, we're all upstairs at this pub and we're all playing pool. Things are going fine. There's been some heated conversations that have already happened at this point due to a misunderstanding from one friend to another at uh, the rest the bar that we were at earlier. And so the whole night had been emotionally charged, you know, since we had really gotten there and settled in, there's been misunderstandings and little sideways comments and passive aggressive words thrown around at each other. So at this point, we're all standing around the pool table, having a couple drinks, playing some pool. And my friend pulls the pool cue back to line up and make a shot in the middle pocket. And when she pulls the pool cue back, the cue bumps my ex in the butt. She then turns around and is like, that's the most action I've gotten in three months. And amongst all my friends, and so I stand there and I look at her and I'm like, did, did, um, she, 
Did she, <laughs> did she just fucking say that? <laughs> like, is that, that's real life right now? That's what's happening? Is you're just going to throw our sex life on display right now that you're just not getting any? Well, guess what? Like, I would probably want to give it to you more if you weren't trying to look for everyone else's dick but mine. So there's, there's just one, <laughs> there's just one thought, you know? Um, but you got problems. I got problems. <laughs> we got problems. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just absolutely shocked and taken, <laughs> taken aback by what she said. And then everyone is just stunned silence looking around at each other. Like, okay, that took a turn. Didn't know this is how the night was going to go. So my friend that touched her with the pull cue made another comment to kind of blow it off. And everybody kind of tries to shake the silence and she digs in on it even further talking about how basically I'm unsatisfactory because like I never want to anymore. Keep in, in front of everybody in front of everybody. Keep in mind. Um, no one knew that she had been cheating on me, that she had had multiple emotional affairs. So I couldn't just start the whole conversation with the whole group of why we're not, you know, having sex, why, you know, we're having problems. Why is this even happening right now? Why are y'all all of a sudden included deeply into our marriage, <laughs> into the, you know, intimate sides of us? I couldn't stop there and give a lecture as to what's going on. So my pride and my ego and all this kind of male dominant stuff just like crumbled in an instant because there's not enough time for me to explain to my friends why. So they're all just going to have to walk away with the, either the assumption that she's right and I'm a horrible partner or they got some shit going on. I don't know what the fuck to think. And that night actually was a pretty big turning point in the marriage because we proceeded to fight. And when we finally got alone, we had really intense arguments. And then I had a conversation with some friends that were still there because she had called her dad and was getting a flight out of there. Like the, the shit was hitting the fan and it was going down fast. And the whole time I, I was, I was just battling with the thought of like, what if she's right? What if, what if, the way that she treats me is fair. Like what if I am the problem, but I have, you know, I've, I've been going to therapy for a little bit and I have some boundaries set now and I'm starting to understand a little bit more about myself, but I'm still not confident in the fact that, you know, I don't deserve this. So I know that like a lot of couples joke, right? A lot of couples will throw insults back and forth and you know, it is what it is. Like, so if it's playful, then it's playful, but it sounds like it was very clearly said with some, malicious intent right it wasn't like yeah it wasn't a joke where y'all just had sex and she was just like oh you know just trying to be funny right it, 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 am i correct in assuming that yeah so when she says it that way, kind of all your friends are kind of going like hang on that wasn't that wasn't really a joke and then you're like you have all of this internal knowledge right of the history and what's going on yeah. so it cuts you super deep and then it, everyone sees you kind of freeze and go like what the fuck like what wait what's happening here? Like, yeah, that was our coming out party. If you want to say that was the, that was the last public fight that we would ever have. Um, thankfully. And I got multiple other verbal abuse stories that I can, I can dig into more later, but it's the, the thing about verbal abuse is it really depends on your security with yourself, how you view yourself, your self-confidence. Are you going to believe what that other person is telling you if a bully is talking to you, do you have the confidence to stand up and be like, no, I know who I am. Or, you know, do you shy down like I did and just believe it? Yeah. So, you know, I would argue that man, that it's more about intent, right? Cause dude, I'll, I'll say some foul shit to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've said some ridiculous things to my sister, uh, and she has said them right back, but like, I never meet, like, I don't think anyone has ever talked to me the way your sister has. <laughs> She's abused no, me more than no, anybody in no, my entire life. <laughs> but it's it's always you know where it's coming from, right? You always know it's coming from a place of love. You mm. know that I'm never attacking you just to be fucking mean. I I, I might think it's funny, or I, I you know I might just be trying to lighten the mood or something like that. But 
when you have someone that's harboring some of those malicious feelings and then it comes out like that, it, it changes the entire dynamic. It goes from busting balls and friendly chit chat to, like you said, it borderlines verbal abuse. And then you set that pattern up <clears throat> and where it happens all the time. And that's exactly what it is. It turns into verbal abuse. It goes from non-consensual ball busting, right? Of like, Hey, I don't find that funny. Like that's not, I'm not okay with that. It goes back to those boundaries you were talking about. It's like, this is not okay to either joke about, like, this is not funny to me. This is not serious. And then they keep it up and kind of to your point, right? Like you don't really recognize it as verbal abuse. You wouldn't put that sticker on it, but at the same time, that's exactly what it is. That person is abusing the shit out of you and making you feel terrible with their words. Yeah. And they're doing it every day of the week, every day on the weekend, all day for the entire time you're together. Yeah. Until you find therapy, hopefully. Or at least someone to kind of help you along the way to build your confidence. I mean, that was where that was where my therapist just came in so clutch for me was, you know, by the time the whole pull cue incident happened, I had been learning about myself. I had been growing and understanding who I was as a person again, and that my life had changed trajectory somewhere along the way. And it was time now for me to course correct. And so this, this was, that was the moment I knew it was the final straw where I knew that I could start pushing this and standing up for myself and either this marriage will bend or it'll absolutely break. So thank God for therapy, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Thank God it broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um, so that's where we're going to wrap up this week. I think we've, I think we've handled enough trauma at this point. So, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you've enjoyed the show today, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a five-star review. And as always, don't forget to celebrate yourself, keep your mental health in check and keep growing. Hit that woo. Congratulations. Congratulations.